In the 80s, God called me to Amsterdam. That's where I met my wife, Jody, and my two sons were born just on the edge of the red light district. And we really had a burden to reach the young people in Amsterdam who had a negative idea about God, which was pretty much everyone in the city. And so out of this burden, Jody and I and a, a small group of us would go out into the forest at night outside of Amsterdam, and we'd have these all-night prayer meetings. And we'd say, God, help us. How are we going to reach these young people who have been so hurt by this wrong idea that they have about you. So we started a, a Bible study on this old boat behind the Central train station. At the same time, I felt like I was supposed to start a band as a way of going to their clubs and communicating in their language who Jesus really is. And that's how the whole ministry started. So there's the need to raise up the next generation of radical, dynamic, creative missionaries who are boldly going and communicating the truth of Jesus outside the church. And, and so um, it was at that point that we started the Steiger Mission School and started to raise up new people and develop the structure to support this true worldwide mission organization, which is all focused on reaching what we call the global youth culture. And these are young people all over the world from the Middle East, Europe, South America, and here right in the U.S., who are influenced by this worldview that, that tells them that there is no God, that they are in control, that they get to decide what's right and wrong, and they're far away from God. The reality is the vast majority of young people, especially today, have more of an apathetic or cynical or even anti-Christian perspective. And so the way in which you engage them, the assumptions that they have about the world and about life is so different. And so, so we need to reflect that when we're engaging them. So Steiger, our whole purpose is to reach those people by going where they are, understanding how they see the world and communicating the message of Jesus, the message of the cross in a language that they can understand and also equipping the local church to do the same. Good morning. Uh, I just want to say how grateful we are to this church uh, for being such such an amazing support to us for so many years. I know the reason I'm still alive is because of your prayers. And uh, just don't pray too long. I don't want to live that long. So, And also, I mean, uh, to our family, to our ministry. So thank you. I mean, and how we're able to use, have an office here. And I mean, there's just so many ways you bless us. So thank you for doing that. Um, so Lord, help me, give me the, the ability to give this message again, Lord. I thank you for everyone that, that uh, braved the beautiful weather to come. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm in, uh, we're in southeast Turkey in a town where there's no church. It's a hardcore Muslim town. And, uh, one of the ways that we bring Jesus to people is art and music, because that's the language today of, of this, this, uh, millennial generation that we're called to reach and so we pull into this square and we start unloading our equipment which was crazy because turkey is in a state of emergency because of an attempted coup uh they and because of political violence they have made, passed a law that you cannot do any outdoor activities so the fact that we were there was crazy so we're unloading our equipment, and then to make it even more crazy, we're doing it in front of a police car, or a police station. And so, so then the police come out and they go, what are you doing? And we said, well, we're an international band, and we're here to do a concert. And they said, really, can we have our picture taken with you? 
So I've got, I like this with these police, and they're taking our picture. We set everything up, and in our concert, it's not just music, but it's a theatrical production that shows the death and resurrection of Jesus and using modern uh, ways to do that. Again, you're not, you don't do that in a Muslim town in Turkey during the sta- a state of emergency by the police station. But, you know, we did it. And then after that, I started to preach. Now, this, is, this breaks all the rules, but I don't care because I'm an, an old punk from Amsterdam. So I'm saying Jesus is the only one who came back to life. No other person came back to life, only Jesus. And because Jesus came back to life, he made it possible to have a relationship with God. He's the one that makes it possible for us to be free because only he came back to life. And I'm, so I'm telling them about Jesus. And then I said, if you want to know Jesus, raise your hand. I mean, you don't ask for a public response in a Muslim town like that. I mean, that just is, you just don't do that. But I, I did it. And I said, if you want to know Jesus, raise your hand. And almost all the people there raised their hand, including a policeman. And so, and then the, the policeman comes over and he goes, can I have some, some of those DVDs about how you can know Jesus that I can give to my other policeman friends? And so we're going, sure. So I give him the DVDs. And then an undercover policeman came. And he's really upset. And he's on his phone and he's, calling people up and he's saying, what are you doing here? This is illegal. You can't be doing this. And he's shouting at us. And while he's shouting at us, another guy from the crowd came in front of everybody and he's saying, this is a Muslim country. And he's trying to get the the people to attack us, but they wouldn't do it because they liked us. And so then, so we thought, okay, so we started, we Someone said, we better get out of here. So we're trying to load, which is quite a thing with all of our stuff, but we're trying to pack up as quickly as we can. So we're packing up and we're getting ready to drive away. And we get a call and uh, someone says, you need to, our, our PA guys go, you need to get out of here because the police are looking for you. So we're driving on all these back roads to avoid the police. And finally, we got on the motorway that got us back into Istanbul, and the police never found us. Yes! And during the state of emergency in Turkey, we were able to clearly bring Jesus to more than 4,000 people. Almost 300 signed up for a Turkish Bible correspondence course. Almost 160, I think it was like 157 people said, Would you come to our homes personally to tell us about Jesus? This is just one of a hundred examples I could give you of what God is doing through this tool, No Longer Music. And you have the opportunity to see this next Sunday night at 6.30 at Grace Church in Eden Prairie. So I encourage you to come because we need your prayers. We need your support. We need your money. And we have tickets. You can have the tickets for free if you come and bring people. So go get a ticket. Bring people. Come and support us. If you have, if you have friends that are not Christians, you know, and they're kind of cynical about God and everything, bring them. You know, don't have them be there for the pre- presentation part. You know, have them be out in the lobby or whatever. 
but bring them in for the concert. We always have people who give their life to Jesus at the send-off show. And then if you know people with money, then you need to bring them because we need, we need them to sponsor concerts so that we can lift up Jesus in the center of Berlin, for example. In Berlin, we're, in Germany, you can't get permissions very easily to do big outdoor stuff, so we're doing protests. You see, if you do a protest, a demonstration, you can get permission. And so we're doing spiritual demonstrations. And that means they actually provide security in everything. So we're going to, I mean, it's amazing. So we're going to be like one of the central squares in Berlin. I mean, thousands of people will be there. And we're doing this in, in cities, many cities throughout Germany, Russia, Kazakhstan, uh, more places than I can mention here. Open doors in Colombia, Cuba, so on. I mean, you got to come. If you don't come, I, then I won't love you anymore. I have books here. We have a podcast, Provoke and Inspire. So get out your phone and subscribe to Provoke and Inspire on iTunes. If you like Steiger, if you like what I'm talking about, you can be, this will give you a way to stay connected with us. It's a weekly podcast. It's, it's people are listening from all over the planet and it would be encouraging for you. And you might know other people that will be encouraged by it. It's, in, it's for uh, Christians to challenge them to be radical in their faith. And we have like, like next week we're having the guy who's one of the founders with uh, Steve Jobs of Apple Computers. He's a, he's a believer and he's going to be on our show. We've had really incredible people on our podcast, not to mention I'm on the podcast. So... Lord, thank you for this church. Help me to be able to not get in your way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was in Sydney, Australia, getting ready to speak in a public school. Now, I don't know if you've been to Australia, to Sydney, but it is a, people there are very cynical. And, you know, they're very anti-Jesus. There's not a lot of Christians in Sydney. And uh, I'm speaking in a public school. So the director of the school goes, don't expect any response. No one is going to like you. No one's going to listen to you. So he was trying to encourage me. And so I get up in the assembly. And I, and I didn't, normally I have a band or a coffin to jump out of or, you know, something. I didn't have nothing, just me. And here's all these cynical high school students, right? So I just told them the truth. I said, you know, you're... Why are you listening to these lies, you know, that you're an accident, you know, that you're the result of some explosion in the sky? That's not true. You're important. You're valuable because you were not created by an impersonal life force, but you were created by a good father who loves you. And this father didn't abandon you. He's not, in, he's not indifferent to what's going on, the pain and the suffering. He, and even though he sees the evil in our own hearts, this, this father sent part of himself to the earth to rescue us. And I talked about Jesus and how Jesus was not another prophet or teacher or guru. How Jesus is the only one that can, that can make us free. So I said, okay, if you want to know Jesus, then I want you to raise your hand. Pretty much half the assembly raised their hand, including some teachers. And so then I go out with the director of the school. And we're in this beautiful cafe. And I was saying... He was like, wow, that was amazing. I, 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 I can't believe that happened. And I was saying, well, you know, in Ephesians 1.18, it says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to everyone who believes. And as I was saying that to him, I was thinking, 
you know, I'm kind of like Billy Graham. I'm, a, I'm so amazing. You know, I, I was thinking, I can just go into a public school with all these cynical students and with nothing, and I can speak. And I was thinking all these, I was thinking about what a legend I am and all these kind of thoughts. And all of a sudden, while I was talking to this guy, I got hit with this flu. It was so bad that I had to, I literally almost had to be carried to the car. And I'm taken to this guy's house. And I'm laying on the bed, unable to move. And then this guy had organized for me to speak there. He'd worked on this thing for like six months. And he's yelling at me, you, you have to speak. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I can't move. You know, I'm, lay, yeah, I'm just laying there completely unable to move. And I was thinking the same power that raised Christ, Jesus from the dead is available to me. Yes, it's true. But he puts that power in weak people so that he will get the glory. He wanted, God wanted to break into my arrogant heart. You know, that made me think that I, this proud, arrogant heart, and he wanted to show me that, yes, his power is inside of me, but he chose to put that power in weak people. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 for we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power comes from God and not from us. Yes, He has put supernatural power inside of us. But it's not a contradiction that we're weak. It's not a contradiction. It doesn't, it's not even, it, in fact, the fact that we're weak, is that's intentional. God has intentionally made me weak so that He will get the glory. So that I will not forget why He can use me. That I don't get proud. That I don't at least an attempt to keep me from being proud. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, I am God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works prepared in advance. So, every man and woman here this morning was and is created for good works. I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to say, you know, you don't have to pray about it either. You were prepared for good works in advance. When you were in your mother's womb, you were prepared for good works. And good works are by definition things that have eternal value. So two things. One, you are weak. Actually, three. You are, God's, you are weak. God's power is in you that can raise Jesus from the dead and you are created for good works. So, what will stop me from having these good works in my life? What will stop me? What will stop me is when I look to myself, my efforts, my power, and my resources. John, 5, John 6 verse 5 when Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, I mean, it would take half a year's wages to buy enough bread for, to feed all these people. So, Phillips, he's, he's realistic. He's going, Jesus, I mean, there's, 
There's thousands of people here. It would take a, you'd have to work six, seven months to feed them one time. I mean, and if we look around ourselves, right, isn't it that way? I mean, the, the, the social problems are enormous. I mean, when, like in America, the, it's, 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 you can't even imagine how bad it's getting. It's like so going so fast. Well, now the majority of children today are born out of wedlock. When marriage is redefined, when you have an opiate crisis that is uh, like unbelievable. I mean, I could spend my entire life in Minnetonka, in this wealthy suburb of Minneapolis, and never run out of broken people to reach out to. There's no human answer. There's too many people. And I don't have enough. I mean, I could spend my whole life working and just have enough to give them the one meal. And then this other disciple, he goes up to Jesus, Peter's brother, and he says, Well, here's a boy. He has some food. He has five small loaves. And two small fish. Notice he puts small in there. Just to make it, just to emphasize the point. They weren't even big fish. I mean, at least they could have been decent, medium-sized fish. No. And they weren't even normal-sized loaves either. Small loaves, small fish to show the absurdity of the whole thing. So, since it's all so hopeless... And since it's impossible for us to really reach the needs that are out there, we need to be strategic. We need to leverage our five loaves and set realistic goals. It's like this pastor I was with one time. I'm going with him somewhere, I don't know. He's driving his car, and he goes, I'm a humble pastor. I have a humble little church. And I have a humble little ministry. And I have a humble little work. And he's going on and on about how humble he is. And I thought, you're not humble. You don't have any faith. A couple years, well, not, no, it wasn't that long ago. I was, I don't know when it was, but I was on a plane. It was not that long ago. And I was going somewhere. And I was watching this documentary on the Rolling Stones who were just, it was, they played in 2016, they did a concert in Havana, in Cuba. And so I'm watching this, this concert, there's thousands of people there, they're crying. People are crying because they're so moved that a band like that could come to Cuba. It never happened before. They're doing this concert, I'm on this plane, I'm watching this concert, God started moving in my heart, and I'm thinking, I gotta go to, we gotta go to Cuba! So I talked to my son Aaron, we have to go to Cuba. Dad, we can't go to Cuba. We don't have any contacts in Cuba. We don't have any, we don't have any people to set it up. It's not reason. Come on, Dad. I'm like, no, I want to go to Cuba. I saw this on the plane. God spoke to me about Cuba. God, I'm saying, I don't care, Aaron. I'm going to pray. I'm, so I'm, God, we got to go to Cuba. And they're like, my sons, my team thinks we're crazy. Well, I want you to know, I was in Havana in November. We were speaking to all the artists from all over Havana. 
And guess what? Now there's someone saying, would you please come and do a tour in Cuba? And we're looking at even as early as November of this year doing a a tour in Cuba. And I expect thousands and thousands of people are going to come to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1, 26, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world to despise things. So that no one may boast before him. God calls weak people. Not to just survive. He calls weak people to change the world. You're no joke to God. When he looks at you. He looks at somebody who can change the world. I mean, it's, it's just about those fish and those, that bread. That's the point. See, it's not... God doesn't ask me to give what I don't have. He's not like that. He's not unreasonable. He knows what I have. It's not what, it's not what, I, what I do with what I don't have. It's what do I do with what I have. You see, that's always the point. Why do we do this? Why do we make it? Why do we think it's about our resources? Why do we think it's about our education or our status or any of that? Are we even reading the New Testament? How do, where do we get the stupid ideas from? Jesus has never worked that way. It's never been like that. He's always used people with not enough. That's how he does it. That's the plan. Because we need to, it's not even about success, it's about obedience. You know, it's like, I'll do this if I got it all figured out. No, that's not how it ever works. You, get, you just get what you have. And, you might, and I'm sure that they were thinking, well, you know, that was go, there goes our lunch, now we don't get to eat either. But that's how it works, you just give it all. Then Jesus takes the bread, he starts breaking it, and the thousands get fed. That's how it works. I am weak. I am weak. And if God takes his hand off of me for a second, I'm dead. I'm not impressive. I'm not special. There's way more talented people out there than I am. But I also know this. I serve a God who can do anything. And so I say this to him. I'm your child. Use me too. You know what I mean? What gives God the glory in your life? Not when you do things that you should be able to do. Well, it's when you do things you shouldn't be able to do. People go, David never could have done that. God must be real. That's how it works. We need people who will be impressed with God. When are we going to be impressed with God? We need people who will say, here are my five loaves, here are my two fish. We need people like David Wilkerson, who is just a 
pastor of this country church, little church. He reads about this gang in New York that killed a handicapped boy. And for some reason, when he read about it, he got a broken heart for the gang. So he goes to his little country church, his little congregation, humble little church. And he says, I don't know, but I feel like God is calling me to go to New York. And they said, okay, you know, we bless you to go, but we can't support you. So he drives to New York and he sleeps in his car. He was willing to go like that. You know what I mean? He actually was sleeping in his car. And God leads him to this gang leader. This guy, this, this guy gets dramatically saved. Now a ministry is raised up called Teen Challenge that is reaching inner city young people all over, all over the world. Or Jackie Pullinger, this teenage girl. God calls her to go to Hong Kong, goes through all kinds of difficult things. And now God has used her to have this amazing ministry reaching thousands of people. You see, God always uses weak people to change the world. But I got to get rid of those five loaves and those two fish, this false sense of security. You know, like, oh, I have this, 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 I got to get everything all figured out. It's an illusion anyway. It's not real. Or this kind of reputation or comfort. I was uh, talking, I was last few days ago, I was in Sioux Falls and I'm talking to this retired businessman. And uh, he decided that he wasn't just going to golf until he dropped dead. You know what I mean? Like these, these retired guys, business guys, they go, oh, I'm retired now. So I'm just going to golf. Isn't that cool? Like, you're out golfing. And then after I golf, I go to the clubhouse. And then maybe I'll go on a golf tournament. You know, so they're out golfing. And then they get, they're out like under a tree somewhere in the golf course. And then they get a heart attack and fall over dead. Isn't that cool? What a great thing to do with your life. <laughs> Give me a break. What are you doing? If God is giving you the energy to play golf, go out and help somebody. You know, he says, I'm going to Ethiopia. I'm helping people in Ethiopia. I'm going here. I'm going there. He's doing all this cool stuff with his life. Where did this idea come from? That when you get old, if you have money, that you can just live a selfish life like that when the world is on fire. We need to give what we have until we take our last breath. And if you don't have the physical strength to go to Ethiopia, then you pray and you intercede. You pray for Paul. You pray for the team. Like I was feeling in the first first uh, meeting today, I think God wants these lights to be all over the church. I think He wants these lights to be these candles that represent people come to Jesus. He wants them to be all over the stage. He wants them to be up there on the top of the brick thing up there. He wants it so you have to put them out in the hallways. This is what God desires. This is what He wants. Jesus doesn't need a lot. He just needs all that I have. And in between, you know, when I was out here, someone said, yeah, I felt God really challenged me to do that. And so we did. We, as best as our, we could, we said, okay, Jesus, everything we have is yours. I mean, whatever that means, we don't know. But, and they've started taking steps. And 
And he said to me, you know, the, the amazing thing is that when I did that, I realized that that was the best thing I could have ever done. That's, I have, I, I have never been so alive. My family's never been so blessed. The best thing that you'll ever do for Jesus is to give him your five loaves and your two fish. The best thing you'll ever do. And I think some of us here need to get rid of those those loaves and fish. You need to... And I, I, I believe in public responses when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us because I think it can cement it in our hearts. And if you feel like this message this morning was for you, then I want you to be humble and to come up in front of your brothers and sisters and stand here with me and we'll say together, Jesus, we want... Lord, we, I don't know what you can do with somebody like me, but here am I. Send me, Lord. Use me in any way that you want. I give what I have to you. If that's you, just come, come up here with me and we'll commit ourselves together to take whatever step God's asking us to take. Just come if you need to respond. Just come. Just come. It's like I need this revelation. Like Mary, when she was told she was going to be the mother of Jesus. And she said to the angel, but this is impossible. And the angel said, with God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Oh, it's a beautiful day today. Go for a walk. Walk around a lake or something and, and ask God to speak to you. You know, with God, nothing is impossible. So that means you can do something with me. That means there's no, I shouldn't put myself in this little box anymore. It means you don't need a lot of resources, God. You don't need anything. You just need a couple of fish and a few loaves. That's all you need. So Lord Jesus, break this worldly way of thinking that so stops you from moving in my life. Forgive me, Lord, that I look at myself or my weaknesses or my resources. I'm so sorry. And Lord, I pray that for my brothers and sisters that they will experience those good works that you've created for them, that you put a fire inside of them, a fresh boldness, And then, Lord, that you will show them practically the steps you want them to take. Jesus, you said there's a great harvest and there are few workers. Well, Lord, send us, whether it's here in Minnetonka, to be a part of this community. Or if you want to send us to Turkey, just send us. Use us, Lord. Thank you for this church. 
Lord, I pray that this next season that they enter into will be some of the most fruitful they've ever ever experienced. And Lord, I pray, I believe this is a prophetic word, that there will be candles lit all over this church. They won't even have to have lights on. There's so many candles. And you, you can do that, Lord, even, even with us. Even with us. Ray, give us an understanding of this, Lord. Don't let this be, just be words. Lord, please let this be revelation. In Jesus' name, amen.